0: Good morning, I'm Anna Palmer, and welcome to The Daily Punch, brought to you by Punchbowl News. It's Tuesday, June fourteenth, 2022. Let's get into the mix. Here are your Washington headlines of the day. Number one, we've got the latest on gun control legislation. Number two, Benny Thompson on criminal referrals from the January 6th committee. And number three, it's primary day. races we are watching all right let's get into it it is an extremely busy week here in washington dc happy tuesday there are two dynamics that i think it's important to review when it comes to gun control legislation and they're pretty interconnected number one the speed with which top senate democrats and republicans say they want to move on the bipartisan gun control bill and the number of Republicans who are signaling that they are not reflexively opposed to this package. That's a big change in terms of where Republicans' body language and statements and actual legislating has been when it comes to gun control legislation over the last decade plus. So let's talk about the speed first. We caught up with a lot of the key players in the gun control debate yesterday, and there was one constant that we heard. They recognize the need to move quickly to pass this legislation. Almost everyone we spoke to wants to have the Senate vote on this legislation before the July 4th recess. That is the Senate moving as absolutely fast as they can. Senator John Cornyn, the lead Republican in this process, said he thinks they can wrap up the text this week and have it ready for Senate Majority Leader Chuck Schumer to put on the floor next week. Senate Judiciary Committee Chair Dick Durbin told us he's given Senator Chris Murphy, the Democrat from Connecticut and lead negotiator for Democrats, access to his panel staff to help the process along. Durbin noted that there is much existing legislative text for what is in the deal, which should help. Another interesting kind of dynamic to watch unfold here is whether or not Senate leadership is going to allow amendments as part of the consideration of the gun package. Cornyn kind of teed that up saying that that's really kind of up to Senator Schumer. When Jake asked him, what do you want? When it was coming to amendments, Cornyn said, quote, I want the bill to pass. So that pretty much sounds like no amendments to us. One other way that Schumer can speed up the process, which is important to think about here as they look at all of the tools in their toolbox, is to file cloture on a House shell bill later this week, which, which would start the clock on the legislative process in the Senate. In other words, Schumer can take a House pass bill, gut it, and insert the gun control proposal whenever the text is ready. This is wonky, but it's important. This would help avoid one cloture vote. On the motion to proceed, since it would be a House vehicle. This is not the first time Schumer has done something like this uh, before the text was finalized. So if he does it again this week, we wouldn't be surprised. We don't know for sure if this is the route he's going to go, but it is certainly available to him. All right, let's talk about the second thing we wanted to tee up this morning, which is that GOP open mindedness. So right now, there are 10 Senate Republicans who are supportive of that package. Cornyn told us their support is, quote, rock solid. But the larger question is how many other Republican lawmakers can and will join? We set up to ask them this question on Monday, and most everyone was noncommittal, which is pretty interesting when it comes to where Republicans are um, on this, because typically it would be a reflexive no. Um, let's talk about that. So When you look through, we've got a ton of these members that are quoted in Punchable News AM, the morning newsletter. I encourage you to do that, but I think I'm just going to name a couple of them. One being Senate Minority Leader Mitch McConnell. Of course, many of his allies are the ones that have been in these negotiating rounds and also, um, you uh, you know, are kind of are among the 10 of the Republicans who say they would support it. He said to us, quote, we're optimistic we're going to have an outcome here. So that's not saying that he's going to vote for it, but it definitely seems likely that he could end up voting yes. Yes. Senate Minority Whip John Thune said he needs to see the details before he commits one way or another. But again, Thune will be very interesting to watch given his leadership ambitions, the fact that Cornyn uh, is the lead negotiator on this. Uh, Senator Lisa Murkowski, the Republican from Alaska, declined to discuss the measure at all. While Senator Joni Ernst, Republican of Iowa, said, I think everyone kind of understood generally what's in the bill, but I don't know specifically. I just think we need to find what's acceptable to move forward. So, again, look through all of the quotes. There's a ton of Republicans talking here, even those that are pretty Second Amendment, uh, you know, supportive, or at least at this point saying that they're going to take a look at what the legislative text actually is. Uh, Before we move on to our number two story of the morning, I do want to note uh, an interesting development here. The House is expected to clear the Senate-passed bill extending security to families of Supreme Court justices later today. A procedural move saved for non-controversial bills that requires support of at least two-thirds of the House. Um, this is a bill that the Senate unanimously passed that was authored by Senators Chris Coons and John Cornyn in May, but it's been held up in the House for weeks as Speaker Nancy Pelosi sought to add protections for families of Supreme Court employees. That was a no-go in the Senate um, so now the house is going to be forced to take up that Coons corn and bill today. And the legislation would allow the Supreme court police. Yes. You heard that right. The high court has its own police force to provide around the clock security protection to the families of Supreme court justices. Uh, this has become into focus in particular, uh, of late where several justices, including chief justice, John Roberts have faced protests, protests at their homes. Since Politico reported last month, the high court, was ready to overturn Roe versus Wade. All right, let's go to the number two story of the morning. Wowzer. Uh, John Bresnahan has the scoop here on Representative Benny Thompson, the Democrat leading the January 6th Select Committee, running into a buzzsaw over no criminal referral comment. All right, let's get into it. Representative Benny Thompson, the Democrat from Mississippi, has generally gotten pretty good marks uh, for how he's run that panel. But he faced strong pushback uh, from his GOP colleague, Liz Cheney, as well as fellow Democrats, after he told reporters that the committee wouldn't be doing criminal referrals to the Justice Department for former President Donald Trump or anyone else. Thompson's comments touched on one of the most sensitive topics facing the select committee, which is, will the panel tell the DOJ that it's found evidence of criminal behavior by Trump or his former aides in trying to overturn the 2020 election? And what will DOJ, which is already conducting its own parallel criminal probe, find into this issue? And what does it do with that information? federal judge ruled in March, if you remember, in a civil case involving the Select Committee that it was, quote, more likely than not that Trump committed crimes in seeking to overturn the election. Cheney has made clear that she thinks Trump broke the law. The Select Committee has already held two public hearings where former Trump aides and administration officials have offered damning testimony on the ex-president's refusal to accept political defeat in 2020, despite clear evidence that Trump knew he'd lost There are going to be additional hearings tomorrow and Thursday. So this is going to be something extremely interesting to watch uh, where Thompson is versus where some of his Democratic uh, colleagues on the panel are, as well as Liz Cheney. Um, Despite this flap, it's been a very strong week for the panel. Um, You know, and Thompson has a lot of influences. chair, as we've noted, he's been heavily praised by his colleagues for his work over the last year he was hand selected by nancy pelosi but in the end this will be a leadership decision along with the select committee not one that the panel will make unilaterally of course it also couldn't may not even matter uh even a house approved criminal referral doesn't mean that trump will be charged with a crime attorney general merrick garland and other senior doj officials may decide not to prosecute And at this point, according to Thompson, the committee has not decided whether to turn anyone over to DOJ either. All right, let's move on to the number three story of the morning. If it's a Tuesday in America, it is primary day. South Carolina, Maine, Nevada, and North Dakota, my home state, are on the clock. Plus, there's a special election to fill an open house seat in Texas. Uh, Our colleague, Max Cohen, who covers politics for us, has the rundown in this morning's newsletter of some races to watch. I'm just going to note a couple of them, in particular what's happening in South Carolina. You have the 7th District for a Republican primary. It is really one of the most watched contests of the day. If you all remember, Representative Tom Rice, Republican from South Carolina, voted Surprisingly, to many, to impeach former President Donald Trump in 2021. And he is now facing off against a Trump endorsed state representative, Russell Fry. Rice's impeachment vote has become the campaign's main issue. And while Fry's messaging plays up Trump's endorsement at every turn, Rice has stood by his vote to impeach Trump following the January 6th insurrection, notably people such as former Speaker Paul Ryan have traveled to Rice's district to campaign for the incumbent. This is going to be one of those tests where does a Republican have a lane in a very conservative area that is very supportive of Donald Trump, even if they voted to impeach Trump, right? This is going to be one of the things that we are going to be watching very closely tonight. Another one is going to be South Carolina's first district Republican primary. That's Representative Nancy Mace, who's also the subject of a Trump endorsed primary challenge in her low country district. Mace who drew Trump's ire when she condemned his role in the insurrection is facing off against former state representative, Katie Arrington. Arrington defeated was defeated by representative Joe Cunningham in the 2018 general election and has slammed Mace as a quote woke liberal. Unlike rice, Mace did not vote to impeach Trump and Mace's campaign does not highlight her criticism of the former president, former South Carolina GOP governor Nikki Haley is backing Mace in the race. You can catch up on all of the races and drama that are unfolding in some of today's um, primaries, which is going to be really interesting to watch. And we'll have more news coming out of that uh, tomorrow as we, as these results unfold, just a quick reminder, I'm going to be interviewing Senator John Barrasso, the Republican from Wyoming today at 5 PM on all things energy, as well as news of the day. Um, You can attend that in person or also watch it virtually go to the Punchbowl news events hub to sign up for that today that's at punchbowl.news. and with that thank you so much for listening leave us a rating and review you can also subscribe to punchable news at punchbowl.news. have a great day and stay safe